Letter.com. Presented by the Paranormal King Radio Network at ParanormalKing.com. Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of December 21st, 2021. And this is officially episode number 497. And this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons. And we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at paranormalking.com. I got a little caught up there on December 21st. It, it just kind of, uh, I always get flashbacks. And of course, 2021, looking at that number. Uh, think back nine years ago today. I was thinking about this earlier today, December 21st, 2012. Uh, we had uh, the uh, Mayan apocalypse. We all thought it was going to end sometime. We didn't know what time. You know, I was thinking it's got to be like 5 p.m. Eastern. So it would be, uh, what, 2 p.m. You know, out in California. I, I don't know, but uh, it never happened. Obviously, we're all still here. The, the calendar keeps on flipping. Uh, the, uh, we didn't collide with uh, Nibiru or whatever was supposed to happen. I think we're supposed to be in a black hole or whatever. But, yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today with this, the date. And, of course, today is also the, uh, the winter solstice. Or if you're in the southern hemisphere. I don't even know if I have any listeners from the southern hemisphere. But if... If I do, that's awesome. I wish I was down there right now. Um, it would be the December solstice. And, of course, uh, it's the shortest period of daylight and the longest period of nighttime. And if you're at the North Pole, it's uh, dark for six months. Yike. It's kind of like here in Ohio, it feels like. Uh, South Pole, however, you're going to have six months of uh, no sunsets, which sounds pretty fun. Uh but yeah, today I think it's a perfect day to start. Of course, it's it's Tuesday. Uh, perfect day to start the top ten paranormal news stories of 2021. Being midwinter, and you know historically, this is a time of rebirth. And uh, when you look back and you also look ahead to the to the year coming up, uh, you know make sure you have enough uh, food stored up and wood saved to to burn to keep your home warm and all those things historically um for us it's just uh you know am i gonna have to work on new year's day can i sit up and watch uh, the ball drop kind of stuff so it's not that important the uh you know nowadays as it as it was historically but i think it's a great day to start the top 10 so tonight it is the official beginning of the countdown of the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2021 so we'll start reflecting backward at the year that was and you know you, you do tend to forget some of the stuff that happened during the year i know i do until i go back and i look at my show notes and i think about some of these stories and um some of the some of the off the wall stuff that happens during the year as well as some of these bigger stories sometimes you forget about it especially if it happened back in january it just seems like so long ago and we tend to forget and that's one of the reasons why I like doing the top 10. It's not just for for filler. Well, sometimes it is just for filler, but 
it's also to take that time to reflect back and think about where we have we've come and what we've experienced throughout the year as far as the paranormal is concerned and we all do that anyway we talk about things uh, you know, around Christmas, and we we reflect back. We look at uh, some of the stories, and you know, Google. I'm sure I'll have these commercials on pretty soon that'll show all the top viral moments of the year, and we'll laugh and go, "Oh, I remember that dog uh, barking and looking at the cat hit the TV, or whatever it is." Uh, you know, the memes that that we remember, or some of the stories that have hit uh, hit home uh, for us and some of the good things and bad things. And, and this, this is our way or my way, I guess, of uh, doing that for here for the paranormal as well. The paranormal news, looking at, uh, a lot of these stories and gosh, I just, uh, what is it? Uh, 12 years I've been doing this, the countdown since 2010, I guess that's 13 years. So uh, didn't do a countdown. I started the show back in 2008. Did not do a countdown. Uh, granted, started it in September of 2008, and it was just a monthly show. So I only did a, a handful of shows that year. Uh, three shows, I guess. So really no... Wait, four shows. I did four shows that year. So really no countdown. There was no, no thought about doing it and uh, did the... Show the next year was also monthly, so I only did 12 shows in 20 or 2009. Uh, 2010, we started going weekly in September, and that's uh, when I decided to do a top 10 and, and uh, proved pretty popular. And I was uh, pretty surprised by that. And it was also something so many stories again, so much stuff you cover in a year's time, you forget and you tend to uh, not remember stuff. and uh, I like to keep that handy, and it's also part of the show's goal. It's not just to give you the latest week's stuff so you can think back. I mean, we have, uh, in this day and age, 2021, we have a very short attention span. I'm surprised paranormal news show or any paranormal show is an hour anymore. I'm surprised they're not just like 10-minute interview shows at this point. But, um, you know, all podcasts are, I'm surprised they're not shorter than what they are. Shouldn't pick on the paranormal, but... Um, just we, I think we tend to, we jump from things to things too quick, and we don't really look back. And you'll notice a lot of patterns if we start talking about some of the historical top tens. Which tonight I think we're going to look back at last year's top ten. Even though I talked about number one last week, uh, we tend to see a lot of patterns. We see things that happen year in year out. And the thing with the paranormal is people come in, they hang around for a little bit, and then they move on. Uh, very few of us are in here for very long, you know, and I'm talking like a decade or more. Uh, people just tend to move on. They have families. They change jobs and their lifestyle changes. So they just kind of move away from it. Uh, maybe they buy a Corvette, a midlife crisis, uh, marry their secretary. I don't know what you do. Maybe it changes your life and you kind of forget about this stuff. And it just seems like it happens a lot. I mean, I can look back at the crowd of people that I used to have in my early shows versus the people that are here now in the chat room. And it's, it's a different crowd. It's different people. And that's okay. Um, I feel like I'm, it makes me feel old because I feel like I'm talking to a whole new generation of people. But uh, nonetheless, it's exciting. It's fun. And I, I love this time of the year to, again, reflect back and talk about stories and make people have some aha moments where they remember these things and uh, look back. But before we get too carried away into the year that was, we do have a couple of stories and one kind of big developing story, I suppose, that um, 
may or may not be something we talk about next year's top 10. Uh, but first, we're going to kick it off in cryptid news and kind of a it's kind of a reflection moment for me as well with uh, 2014. Looking back, man, it makes me feel, gosh, really old now. My second to last book I wrote. Uh, my book, Handbook for the Amateur Cryptozoologist, was uh, listed in the top books of 2014 uh, as described by Lauren Coleman. So I made the list, the top 10 list uh, for books on cryptozoology with my book. Uh, I was described as the best guidebook for the cryptozoologist in training of 2014, although I think it was really the only one that was published that year. But that's okay. I'll take it. Uh, I graced this list one more time the following year as I added a forward by Lauren Coleman and launched a second edition of the book. I updated a few things in it and added that uh, piece to it as well. I was very proud to do that. Never thought of really uh, involving anybody else to try to help sell books or put somebody else's name on the front of the book. But I'm very proud of that, uh, to have Lauren Coleman as a part of that book. And, of course, if you've been to the International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Maine, look for my book. I planned on going there, gosh, the last few years, just never really got around to it. Uh, I want to see my book in a museum. That would be really, really cool to see. Um, but I also would like to see it in a bookstore. I've seen it in libraries, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Coleman opened – let's see. He's got one in Portland. I'm trying to remember. He's uh, opening up a, a second uh, museum a little further north. You know, Portland's right there on the um, – Kind of down south there on the border. He's opening up another one. I can't remember where, but uh, he's going to probably continue to do, uh, you know, operate the museum, make local appearances. Uh, I don't think he's going to slow down or stop anytime soon. He's kind of pretty much like a living legend as far as most people are concerned here in uh, cryptozoology. And he's uh, obviously in a lot of other fields as well. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. Uh, but as far as the books are concerned, I always look forward to this list. I, I kind of like um, look forward to some books that I missed because sometimes I don't see all these books that pop up. And uh, there was a few here I had not heard of. So I threw them into my – I hate to advertise for Amazon, but I put them on my little list of uh, books that I want on Amazon, which is probably pushing eh, – it's probably pushing about 100 right now. It seems like I add one a week, it feels like, and then I'll buy one, maybe one a month. So I, I'm falling behind, probably well over 100. Um, but again, I was uh, honored to have that book there two years in a row. And this year, there's a plethora of books that Coleman shares on his blog honoring various cryptid creatures. And of course, Bigfoot is the big guy here in the United States and the biggest uh, Bigfoot book of the year. I don't know how big they get. And that's his normal size book. You know what I mean? Big as far as uh, what he felt was the uh, big Bigfoot book of the year. Uh, Michelle Y. Solier, uh, her uh, Bigfoot of Maine book, which includes an introduction by Lawrence. So eh, maybe a little biased there, but uh, Bigfoot of Maine, the big book of the year. 
Uh, Christopher Packer took home the regional cryptozoology book of the year with Fantastic Beasts from Legend and Folklore, Mythical Creatures of Maine. So there you go. Uh, a little regional favoritism, uh, but still, from what I've seen on that book, it's pretty good. Uh, David Weatherly has released the regional cryptid series of the year with Monsters of Big Sky Country, Peach State Monsters, Palmetto State Monsters, and Monsters of the Tar Hill State. Um, pretty good series there. Um, we've got uh, Kenny W. Irish. Kenny Irish. Uh, the General Cryptid Book of the Year with American Cryptids in Pursuit of the Elusive Creatures. we got the Historical Cryptozoology Book of the Year. Goes to uh, Monsters in the Anglo-Saxon World. Basilix and Beowulf by Tim Flight. Bigfoot newcomer author of the year goes to Evergreen Ape. The story of the uh, the story of the Bigfoot by David Norman Lewis. Uh, my favorite cryptozoology release of the year. Uh, voted the, the best cryptid guidebook of the year uh, by Lauren Coleman. Is the essential guide to the Loch Ness Monster and other aquatic cryptids by Ken Gerhard. Very good book. Uh, great book, actually. Really enjoyed it. Uh, check out the rest of, of the list, which includes books on the Loch Ness Monster, the Champlain Monster, Bigfoot, the Patterson-Gimlin film. It also has some Bigfoot calendars and a whole lot more. You can find that at CryptoZooNews.com. And, uh, yeah, Lauren Coleman uh, made this list. Uh, it's his, off of his personal blog, and that's why... Yeah, sometimes you get that little bit of uh, not just Maine, but sometimes Northeast kind of flair to it. Or books that he was involved in seem like they're always the top ones. But, uh, you know, like I said, he's got his hands in, involved in a lot of stuff. So it's no uh, surprise that he puts himself, gets himself involved with some of the bigger books or the best books. Not just saying that because he was involved with mine, but you know, that's kind of why it's it's a little biased, of course. But I don't see any any books that were outside of this this giant list that were released this year. So I don't think he's really ignoring anything. Uh, just what he's seeing, and uh, I've always loved his lists of uh, books. Uh, he also does a lot of other stories. Um, the uh, cryptid deaths of the year, people who have passed away, who have been uh, great researchers, or people who have done uh, good work. Uh, we also have. The other thing that I look forward to every year is the Golden Yeti Award announced by Lauren. The Golden Yeti is basically uh, – it used to just be called the Cryptozoologist of the Year, but I guess you're Cryptozoologist of the Year. You get the Golden Yeti. Uh, in 2021, this award went to Bigfoot researcher, writer, and editor of Bigfoot Times, a uh, very longstanding magazine. This guy did has done a lot of work. Uh, Patterson-Gimlin film. Tons of information behind it. And anything and everything that's gone on in the Bigfoot world, this guy's been a researcher behind it. So uh, as Lauren said, it's, it's long overdue for uh, this person to be the cryptozoologist of the year. Couldn't agree more. It's uh, the amount of work when you read through this guy's bio, what he's done, what he's accomplished. I've heard the name a number of times, but you, you never really realize what somebody's done until you stand back and really look at their whole Book of Works, I guess. Uh, Daniel Perez 
was announced as the cryptozoologist of the year for 2021. And UFO news, big story this week. Well, it was last week, last Wednesday, but uh, still making the rounds. It's official. The National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2022 passed last Wednesday. What does that mean? far as the paranormal is concerned well under section 1683 of the very thick uh i don't know what you call it big plop of paper uh 770 billion dollar annual defense bill defense uh the the big bill that's a lot of money 770 billion uh secretary lloyd austin and national intelligence director avril haynes have to, uh, they've got to establish, quote, an office organizational structure and authorities to address unidentified aerial phenomena, unquote, uh, within 180 days of when President Biden signs the bill into law, which uh, hopefully is coming soon. Uh, last month, you might remember the Pentagon quietly announced it had formed the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. That's horrible. Uh, to oversee UFO investigations. Uh, this is kind of a a political ploy, kind of a, a chess move. A lot of people feel that it's just an attempt to keep the public at a continued distance as well as even levels of the government from learning exactly what is going on in the skies over the U.S. And I think we've had enough of that. You know, It's not so much of disclosure, but just let us know what's happening right now at least. Uh, stop covering stuff up. Stop uh, compartmentalizing everything, and uh, let's know what's going on. Let's be prepared here. Share the information, because uh, obviously a lot of members of the general public are very, very smart and able to figure a lot of these videos and a lot of these things out. So stop the games, I say, and uh, let's let's have this information. Stop playing around. And with that, that's our news, uh, but... Uh, I want to look back here at uh, last year. Where did I put that? Uh, 2020 was uh, not a fun year for most of us. It was a pretty scary year, um, obviously, with uh, the global pandemic occurring, and nobody thought it was going to be as big as it was. And I'll tell you, uh, I was on vacation back in, yeah, let's see, well, kind of late, a little past mid-January, I think January 18th. I uh, flew out to Arizona, and I was out in Phoenix for a week and flew home. And, you know, you heard stories, you heard talk about it, stuff overseas for months, and you, you don't really think things are ever going to get bad here in the United States or North America. You think, eh, European stuff is European stuff or Asian stuff. is hey, It's not going to happen here. Who cares? Uh, kind of the least worry on my mind, and uh, I was out in Arizona um, kind of living a, a, a baseball dream, uh, hanging out with uh, members of the uh, formerly team formerly known as the Cleveland Indians, and just having a, a wonderful time. Didn't really wasn't worried about global pandemics or anything like that. And uh, flying home, uh, I went through uh, De Detroit airport and saw a lot of people wearing masks, and that's kind of when it clicked for me. And then it uh, wasn't too long after that that things kind of went south. Uh, not uh, directionally, but just uh, with with the global pandemic. And it uh, 
it hit home. It hit here, and I was one of those people that had to go to work every day. I didn't have that. Uh, um, you know, some people will call it a luxury. Other people will call it, you know, I lost my job or I was wasn't able to work or I had to quit because I couldn't, you know, didn't want to deal with it. So maybe I was lucky. I don't know, but uh, I was pretty much forced to go to work every day around this and deal with crazy people uh, who are buying up all the toilet paper, things like that. But uh, if you're listening to the show, you made it. And you've made it thus far through 2021's craziness as well. But looking back on the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020, kind of uh, the number 10 story was, uh, uh, man, this, this whole thing, I think, the whole year was just no, no good news. I don't think anything great happened in this uh, lineup. Number 10, uh, the probably the darkest shadow and the, and the latest a very cloudy days for MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, was uh, Jan Harzan arrested on July 3rd of charges of soliciting a minor for the purpose of engaging in sexual activity. Uh, he just disappeared. I haven't really heard much of, about him or after, and MUFON just kind of went into hiding, and they've made the adjustment to move from uh, out west to back to uh, Cincinnati and it's uh, finally finally complete I think they finally just announced last month that everything is finally moved um, they need to get it in gear and get going but uh, this is uh, not a good not a good story and you remember uh, it was around that time too that the monolith saga of December uh, there was also the a Brazil UFO crash story that was going on, the workout ghost video that people were mesmerized by, uh, the Wisconsin Bigfoot Bulletin. A lot of other stories were, were cropping up there towards the late part of the year, but um, yeah, this hung in there, hung in there in the top ten. Uh, number nine, lake monsters other than Loch Ness. So there was a, a lot of different stories from all over the world that made the news as far as uh, – Monsters from different places. Um, got one. Where was this at? Uh, kayaker in uh, the Patagonian region of Argentina. Uh, Nahualito. I remember that one. Uh, saw a little something, something swimming. And we also had some crazy looking creatures. You know, anytime an animal from the depths comes up and dies and it's on the beach, everyone's confused. Uh, we also had uh, Ogopogo was in the news from Lake Okanagan. Um, let's see, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Somebody took a picture of this strange, looks like a dolphin with giant teeth and no fins, just a big tail. Um, yeah, just a whole bunch of just stories that just kind of all slammed together. Um, there was a champ challenge, I guess, the... Uh, Lake Champlain monster isn't getting any love anymore because Loch Ness monster is taking it all away. So they did a champ challenge to try to get people to uh, look out for the elusive Lake Champlain monster. I don't think anybody really cares. Um, they're not selling T-shirts, but uh, they get maybe some sightings. Maybe that'll get a little bit of energy going behind that story. Um, yeah, of course, uh, a lot of. A lot of uh, Loch Ness stuff, but yeah, yeah this is a collection of monster stories, lake monster stories. You don't usually get too many. You get a, a few fringy ones 
maybe from Ogopogo, maybe from some other region, but this is just like all over the place. Um, one from China, a guy took a picture from really far away and a little black dot in the, in the, the lake. For some reason it was a big deal. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, very intriguing stories, but nothing really relevant came out of it. So it sat down there at number nine, uh, number eight, another sad story, Mad Mike Hughes, who was, uh, you know, viewed as, as a flat earther and everybody gave him, uh, stuff for that. Uh, Mad Mike Hughes died from injuries resulting from a crash. So he had a, uh, a self-made rocket that he launched from the back of a, uh, a, a little car carrier. And on February 22nd, he launched from Barstow, California. And it's kind of sad because you can watch it on, it was on uh, live on, on social media. I think it was on Twitter, like instantly right after it happened. And rocket launches up, it uh, hit the parachute and the parachute got caught in the uh, the wash of the jet, which was uh, uh, steam. It's a steam-powered rocket, and the steam just disintegrated the parachute. So uh, as soon as it left, it was over. Uh, he apexed, and then the rocket uh, came right back down to Earth, and, and sadly, that was, that was it. Um, but in the weeks after his death, a lot of stuff came forward, and it uh, came out that he wasn't really... Uh, into the flat earth as much as what people thought. It was really more just a, of a ploy to get attention for his ongoing story. Uh, and the saga with Mike Hughes lasted a long time and has been associated with flat earth stories in the past. And uh, was uh, really, I, I, this story was, I don't dare I say lucky because it happened uh, pre-pandemic. This is a story that probably wouldn't, have gotten much attention had it happened, you know, in April or even late March, uh, but happening in February got a lot of attention. It lasted in the news for uh, a quite a quite a bit, and it was kind of nice to see him uh, kind of vindicated from the flat Earth group, and uh, that he was just a daredevil. You know, it had nothing to do with him trying to get high up to see the curve of the Earth or anything like that that was speculated or talked about, but. Uh, basically, that was um, his agent kind of using that as a way to uh, get attention, which it worked. And, you know, sadly, with his, uh, uh, you know, I don't say poor rocket design, but uh, just self, you know, when you do stuff like that by yourself, uh, sometimes things happen. And unfortunately, it uh, cost him his life. Now, number seven that year, SpaceX UFOs and UFOs you didn't see I was doing the finger quotes uh, lots of stories all over the world all over the United States uh, numerous photographs numerous sightings numerous phone calls uh, of not just the the uh, string of lights in the sky but also the rocket launches created a lot of controversy and a lot of um, confusion in the skies all the way from uh, here in the United States New Zealand um, Canada, Belgium, um, all over the place. Uh, people just talking about this. And it's also when the, the Kessler syndrome started being talked about seriously, uh, which the Kessler syndrome is when we start to get a, a crowded orbit full of satellites 
uh, whether it's near Earth or, or even higher up, uh, these satellites, if they start crashing into each other, could cause a cataclysmic um, snowstorm, basically, of uh, things hitting into each other, which would create just so much debris that we wouldn't be able to launch anything else or get off this rock if we have to. And, you know, the fact that Starlink is adding a crazy amount of satellites into space, uh, it really began to be talked about uh, in, in a serious manner. And, and not just Starlink with, uh, you know, SpaceX's Starlink uh, launching potentially upwards of 20,000 plus satellites up into space. But other companies uh, such as Google and a couple of others, there's one that went out of business, but... Uh, other companies are looking to do the same thing with a satellite constellation. So, yikes. Um, and, of course, you know, there's all that talk the last two years of UFO sightings being on the rise. Well, I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, number six on the list last year was another very sad story. It was probably one that, uh, man, it's uh, really hit me hard because I'd uh, – really follow this this uh, location for a long, long time, and it's really, really sad to see this happen. Uh, and this was actually tied into Chupacabra as well, believe it or not. And that was the Arecibo Observatory, which uh, December 1st uh, came crashing down at 7.55 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, there had been uh, some structural damage from Hurricane Maria in late 2017, as well as earthquakes, that put a strain uh, not only on the facility, but also on the budget for the facility. Uh, there was a cable break in August of 2020, which uh, brought a little concern to the structural integrity of the platform. Uh, so that platform is a, is a big dish that sits in a uh, kind of a natural depression. Um, pretty sure it's a, a meteorite had struck there, so it created a natural depression in the ground. They put the satellite dish there, which is just a bunch of uh, panels on the ground. And, of course, they had the observatory uh, structure hanging over the top of that, uh, strung out on cables. And some of those cables started to fray. And on November 6th, the second cable broke, which now created a high risk of, of self-collapse. The National Science Foundation... Uh, did a lot of surveys with drones and other technology, determined that the 900-ton platform uh, was going to have to be destroyed. It was decommissioned on November 19th, and th that was sad enough. But then to have it collapse on December 1st uh, was really heartbreaking to, to see the video of it just destroying itself. Um, Arecibo has made a lot of discoveries and has been uh, something that's keeping us safe from uh, asteroids crashing into the, into this uh, planet that uh, we may not see coming now. And it's a lot of things. It's still data to go that's been collected from this uh, observatory that we're still looking at that's still making some uh, some headway for us in, as far as understanding what's happening in the skies above. Uh, number five, mysterious Western U.S. drones. This was a very concerning story that unfolded uh, also early in the year, uh, Colorado, Nebraska, Kansas had been inundated with calls of swarms of giant drones. And nobody knew, nobody taken any kind of uh, ownership of it. Uh, 
you know, thought it was military drones. People thought it was, uh, you know, commercial things and it ended up, uh, doing all sorts of things. The police were looking for it. They, they launched aircraft trying to find these, they had people drive around looking for, uh, vehicles that were control vehicles for these drones and a lot of panic behind this, uh, in the, uh, out West, uh, big story in 2020. Uh, probably the most viral story of January, of course, until what we would call back then we call it the novel, uh, the novel uh, coronavirus, and um, of course the sad news with uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter. Uh, they uh, perished in the helicopter crash in Calabasas, uh, California, that uh, kind of shifted our attention. Uh, but this was a big story. It was all of the news. Uh, all over the, the paranormal media as well. Um, it's strange, though, because they started to dissect all this stuff, and it seemed like a lot of these sightings weren't really what they thought they were. And uh, some legitimate sightings of drones here and there, but most of the stuff was just uh, people reacting to things. And unfortunately, we never got an answer to uh, to what was really, truly going on. Number four last year was the Loch Ness Monster radar and sightings. Uh, so a number of sightings happened. And we also had uh, a big hoax. The guy, uh, Steve Chalice, uh, took a purported picture of a large, it looked like a large catfish, which which is what it was. Uh, he was saying that the Loch Ness Monster was a catfish. Uh, but really what he had done was taken a catfish photo and superimposed it onto an image taken on Loch Ness. So it was probably the biggest Loch Ness monster hoax of last year. Well, it was the biggest Loch Ness monster hoax of last year. Uh, lots of sightings, most of which were on webcams. Uh, but uh, there towards the fall, there was a couple of, of uh, radar photos that were taken strangely on opposing... Uh, craft that take people out to uh, to sightsee out on Loch Ness. So go figure. Uh, the number three story of last year, U.S. government research on UFOs. Uh, this all kind of started on Valentine's Day. Popular Mechanics published some new documents that showed the U.S. government was doing some investigating and research into UFOs and related phenomena. And a lot of other news organizations jumped in, like Motherboard and uh, kind of forced the uh, the army and other organizations to uh, to kind of open up and uh, I kind of wanted to mention uh, Tom DeLong this week. I had to after talking to uh, Jim Mallard in the Mallard Report last week about this. So yeah, To the Stars Academy was in the news last year uh, with all that. So a lot of organizations, Black Vault tried to get some information, and a lot of stuff started to bubble up toward the surface. Last year, and of course, that led to uh, uh, this year's report on all that, too. But uh, last year, it kind of started to bubble up toward the surface. And of course, we were talking about the uh, the Advanced Aerospace Threat and Identification Program. ATIP, yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, all the stuff that was going on uh, was all over TV, all over the news. Uh, a big, big story that was really bubbling, but uh, just hit number three. Uh, the topic was in the news all year, but no major strides to disclose any new information. It was just kind of like a lot of pressure. Uh, so it stayed at number three. 
Uh, number two was a kind of story that was everywhere, no matter where you looked. Uh, UFO reports on the rise. Uh, it seemed like every media outlet was talking about this, like this was a, a legitimate phenomenon. Um, unfortunately, it uh, – I would say every U.S. state seemed like – I don't remember one here in Ohio, but I know – Virtually every state had an article about an increase in UFO sightings from the year prior. And of course, you know, SpaceX, which, you know, with the uh, Starlink satellites we talked about, and the government release of UAP investigations, uh, also task force investigating them, uh, I'm sure that kind of stirred up some historical sightings, which led to an increased number of sightings. And it really didn't come from MUFON, it kind of came from New Fork, the National UFO Reporting Center. And, you know, none of these organizations really disseminate cases that happened years ago versus cases that are current. So, you know, the numbers in, you know, inflating whether it was true or not, which really wasn't true, uh, it was just a lot of historical sightings coming to fact because of all the attention on these stories. And that, of course, leaves us with the number one story of 2020. I mean, how could you ignore this? COVID-19 shuts down the world, and it took the paranormal with it. And, you know, a lot of that is the fact that it shut down almost all, I don't want to say all, but uh, an overwhelming majority of paranormal conferences, conventions were canceled, delayed, um, put off until this year, or canceled completely. Some of them kept making the dance of, uh, well, we'll, Put it out. We'll postpone it for three months. And then three months came and they said, well, three more months. And then they just uh, ended up moving it. Uh, but we also had a lot of other weird stuff that happened along with that, not just the cancellation of the fear and uh, the, the panic of the pandemic. You know, with, uh, again, I mentioned toilet paper, hand sanitizer, all these other things that were disappearing off of uh, store shelves. But we also had uh, the Dean Koontz book. The Eyes of Darkness that popped in that people thought that he made uh, a prediction that this uh, thing would happen in China. Um, Sylvia Brown also was uh, claimed to have made a prediction in her 2008 book, The End of Days, Predictions and Prophecies about the End of the World. And it's the first and last story I've ever talked about Kim Kardashian in. Uh, she was kind of the the uh, catalyst behind putting that story out there. And of course, all that was just really people reaching for some sort of explanation for why is this happening now? Why is this happening to us? Um, but very vague information, just as what psychics do. They throw vague things at you, and you make the connection based on that vague information. You put it together to make it sound like it's more significant than what it really was. But, you know, a lot going on last year with all this. And, of course, we were all caught up in all that. Um, but uh, what a crazy, crazy year it was. And most of the stuff is, is kind of the same rehash stuff we hear every year, year in, year out. Loch Ness Monster, UFOs. Uh, I think, well, Bigfoot wasn't there. But, um, but I, I like those weird off-the-wall stories, um, strange things, even the sad ones like Mad Mike Hughes, you know, just one-offers that are a little bit different than the same stuff that we cover every year. Um, the Arecibo University, is as horrible as that was, uh, things like that I think are pretty cool to uh, to have. 
in there. Uh, Arecibo is still, uh, they're still using the the smaller, they have a different type of dish, just a regular radio dish that they're using uh, at this point. But uh, I don't think they're going to rebuild it. There's talk about trying to rebuild it in the same spot it was, but they're still cleaning it up. <sighs> sad, very sad. Um, I wish they would sell parts of it. I would buy, definitely buy pieces of the panels. Definitely would do that. It'd be pretty awesome. Anyway, uh, the remainder of the show, we are going to start the top 10 stories of 2021. I'll tell you, I always get nervous. You know, I never get nervous of being on the radio. Uh, I don't get nervous any, any more about doing any kind of public speaking. And I've, uh, I can never, I could say that I've not always felt that way uh, before. Gosh, even after out of high school and college, I was terrified of standing up in front of two or three people. But doing, uh, having different jobs where I had to communicate information to large groups of people, uh, doing conferences, conventions through the paranormal, uh, having a job where I had to teach large groups of people, even small groups of people, standing up in front of them and talking and talking in front of my peers on topics. All these, all this experiences, I don't get nervous anymore. Um, no matter how many times I screw things up or, you know, I've probably 30, 40 times messed things up on this show already tonight, but I don't worry about it. I just convey information and I keep going. Uh, you don't worry about messing up. You just, uh, concentrate on what you're doing and try to entertain or educate whatever your, your goal is. Uh, so I don't get nervous about that kind of stuff. You know, if there's 20,000 people listening to the show, it, it doesn't affect me, but Whenever I do the top 10 stories of any year, I get a little nervous because I know some people kind of want things to go a different way. And I know some people are going to be let down. I know some people are going to get uh, upset about certain things. Uh, but this is all based on uh, my opinion. So it's all subjective. And you can, you can realign it however you want. This is just how I see it. It's not definitive. It's, there's nothing that's going to prove one or the other over another it's just how I feel. So uh, take it as as it is. It's just here to entertain, it's just here to reflect. And it's here to kind of teach us a lesson about the kind of things that we talk about in the news, the kind of things that we're fooled by, and uh, the kind of stuff that um, you know we see year to year. And, um, and I've talked about this before, but the top 10 paranormal news stories, again, put together by my opinion, but they're also... Um, they're ranked by some criteria. So what have they done for the paranormal? They made a positive impact. Uh, of course, some are hoaxes, misinterpretations, um, but even a hoax can create awareness of a paranormal subject. It could teach us something about what we think we know or what we thought we knew at the time. Um, and these stories uh, may be kind of bad, but sometimes we can reflect on the people behind them, such as the number one story um, two years ago, which were last year, the year before last, would be uh, uh, Stanton Friedman, the passing of Stanton Friedman. The year before that, the passing of Art Bell. So sometimes, you know, we honor those that have paved the path for a lot of us to be where we're at or to uh, understand things that we may not have understood without them around. Um, but uh, some of these stories are just they're just there. So that's the other kind of piece of criteria is 
the virality. So how viral were these stories? And unfortunately, it seems like that's the overwhelming rank. But I do try to look at the importance of these stories into the whole kind of network of the paranormal. What do they bring to the table? But uh, ultimately, it comes down to how viral a story was. And I guess I'll kind of ruin some, some of this stuff. We'll look at some of the stories that didn't make it first. Um, let's see. I, I don't want to say the ranking, but these are, I guess we'll say these are in no particular order. Uh, we had um, cattle mutilations, just missed the cut. Uh, I'll be honest, that was number 11. That was in the top 10 for a while until I finally wedged it out of there. Um, I think it was in the top 10 a couple of years ago. But uh, cattle mutilations happening out west, I believe it was Oregon this year, um, almost made it. Uh, the Bigfoot River Crossing video, the Cass River Blob Squatch, basically a video of uh, this thing crossing a river that people thought was a Bigfoot, probably not. Almost made it. Uh, the French UFO hoax, was, uh, which was pretty recent, uh, was also one that might have made the top ten until I kind of rethought some stuff. Uh, the baby dinosaur video in Florida. So that happened earlier this year. Uh, a woman in Florida had her uh, door cam capture what looked like a little like two-legged dinosaur running through her backyard. Uh, still more weird on what that was. I think it was a turkey. To be honest, just the way it was running. Um, number 15 was uh, a bouquet of UFO triangles. So this was the video of the USS Russell back from 2019 uh, that had been leaked to Jeremy Corbell. And it ended up being uh, the the triangles basically were created by a visual effect. Um, it's pronounced a bouquet. So it's um, I mean, just... Just the way the, the lenses lined up, it made round lights look triangle. It's just a, a natural thing. It's kind of an illusion that uh, they use in movies and things. So we're actually more familiar with that than, than we're not. Uh, the next story that just missed it, and I was going to talk about it tonight, but I guess, well, I guess I will talk about it tonight. The James Webb Telescope, uh, this was uh, supposed to have been launched a few days ago. Oh, actually, gosh, over the last couple of years, it was supposed to be launched uh, up to, uh, I think, about three years ago. But uh, it's delayed again. And sitting on the launch pad, they had a telecommunications uh, error. And it looks like it's going to hopefully launch on Christmas Eve. So this Friday, hopefully, the James Webb Telescope will also finally take off. I had a little bit of controversy as well this year with the naming. Of course, anything named after a person, anything you can find wrong with it. Um, it's, you know, the public is going to, you know, have some negative things to say about it. Uh, another story that didn't make it that I kind of, kind of wanted, but I know it's uh, not a lot of people really care too much about the alligators. Uh, multiple alligator sightings, uh, Kansas, Pennsylvania, Iowa, which turned out to be a plush toy, uh, Wisconsin escapee in May, uh, June PA escapee. Uh, July, one in Maryland, August, and one in Indiana, uh, mid-August, uh, Pennsylvania and Tennessee, and late August, Massachusetts, and October, one in Michigan, December, one in Pennsylvania, and uh, as well as one in Massachusetts. So these random alligator sightings, which 
unfortunately are just escape or people that are letting them go loose or escapees. Uh, we had the mysterious drone story. It happened earlier this year where a helicopter was chasing a drone that uh, far exceeded what you would expect any consumer drone to be able to do as far as speed. I believe it was going 160 miles an hour into 40 mile an hour winds. And it lasted, the helicopter chase lasted over an hour and a half, which is incredible. Uh, technology shouldn't exist. And they said that it started to, like, it was losing its signal, but then it came back. And that story ended kind of ironically. The helicopter had to go get uh, fuel. So they had to leave the chase, which is crazy. And uh, somebody predicted this uh, in the chat room. Yes, the zebras on the loose didn't make the top 10 very close. Uh, that story happening late this year in Maryland, uh, kind of happening since September. I don't think I, I didn't cover it till October, but yeah, none of that made the top 10. So what did make the top 10? Well, let's crack it open, the top 10. I don't know how far we'll get, and that's okay. Uh, if I only cover a couple, that's okay. Uh, we've got next week. And even if I don't uh, unveil the number one story until January, that's okay. We'll see what happens next week as far as the news is concerned. Uh, but uh, we'll start going here. The number 10 story of 2021. No drum roll. You don't need that. I mean, you could do it at home if you want, I guess. That's, that's fine. Uh, unfortunately... The number 10 story is a topic that not a lot of people like, uh, at least not here in the United States, but I sure love them in Scotland. And unfortunately, uh, I don't think it's going to be a record year of sightings for the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, but the biggest story to happen out of there was the Loch Ness Monster drone hoax. And this all took place on September 27th, where a canoeist named Richard Maver uh, posted a video of personal drone footage to his YouTube channel, Richard Outdoors. Uh, viewers quickly pointed out around 3 minutes 50 seconds into the video, a strange shape could be seen under the water. And it was a nice feel-good story there for a minute. Uh, Maver was in the area canoeing for charity, decided to take some 4K drone footage of the beach that he was at. And it was in this footage that people pointed out that he might have just accidentally filmed the most elusive water monster in the world. Uh, and of course, as they always do, uh, Maver claims he did not see the shape in the water while he was filming. Uh, the story quickly spread to the media. Of course, Loch Ness Monster is uh, anytime any news organization gets something like that, uh, especially, uh, I should say, in the U United Kingdom. You know, those, uh, uh, the Telegraph and all those uh, daily record and all those news outlets. Anytime they get anything like that, they just run with it. Um, became the biggest Nessie sighting of 2021. And I'll be honest, I gave it a lot of grace. I didn't, uh, I didn't feel it was a hoax. I just thought it was a case of mistaken identity. I thought the object might've been a log or a sandbar. And, you know, I don't know. In the back of my mind, uh, I really felt like, uh, it wasn't a hoax. I was hoping, maybe I was hoping it wasn't a hoax because it just seems like every year we've got this big hoax of the Loch Ness Monster. Of course, we just talked about the, the catfish one from last year, and I was too generous. Uh, I, I, 
yeah, I don't think anybody really believed it. The news wanted you to believe it because they just want to sell advertising spots, of course. You know, they're there to get people to click on the stories. They don't care if you read it, to be honest with you. Uh, most of these news organizations, they don't care about journalism. They just care about a headline and somebody clicking on it. So you'll scroll through the story. So maybe you'll click on an advertiser. Really and truly, unfortunately, that's what it's come down to. Um, hate to say it that way. I hate to be brutal. You know, but that's the sad fact. Uh, journalism is dead for the most part. Um, hopefully not on this show, but I try to do my due diligence on these stories. Uh, but yes, uh, Closer look at the video uh, happened pretty quick within days, including the YouTube channel Para Breakdown, which, uh, man, he just went on there and dropped the mic. It was like literally a minute, and he tore it apart, dropped the mic, and walked away. It was pretty pretty good. Uh, analyzing the object. Now, that's a very simple thing to do, and it was speculated from the get-go, and I ignored it. I said, no, you're giving, this, you're giving the story too much credit by saying it's an elaborate hoax. Uh, it could have been a photograph layered into the video. I thought that was just too much, uh, which, again, would create that as an intentional hoax. I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But looking at the shape closely, Sam Sheeran was able to pull the image out a little bit more of the video, was able to compare that image to a toy plesiosaur. And uh, it's pretty much an exact copy of the photograph. Didn't do anything. I mean, at least, like reverse the image or something, do something to confuse people. But it was an exact copy of the photograph that was embedded in the video. Didn't take very long. Uh, Longtime Nessie Hunter and researcher Steve Feltham right away was interviewed about this story, and he felt immediately that the video was a fake. Uh, he said, quote, there appears to be no natural movement in the object and an unlikely degree of illumination. I've spent many hours as a passenger in a microlight flying low over the lock trying to spot a silhouette in the dark waters. And things just do not show up that clearly. Uh, it looks almost like the object is illuminated, unquote. And, you, you, yeah, you have to keep in mind that Loch Ness is not like uh, a lot of lakes and reservoirs, like what I kayak in or what I've you know used to being in, which are fairly clear. There's... Uh, heavy peat in the surrounding hillsides that um, really, really muddies up this water. It's it's very dark and dingy. Uh, it's not polluted. It's just dingy with the the peat that is in there, and that water is always moving around and mixing that stuff up. Uh, so yeah, even on the shoreline, you're not going to get that kind of clarity. And while Para Breakdown showed their video with the image highlighted, uh, Steve saw evidence of his own. So he pointed out uh, Mavers actually had used a small section of the drone footage elsewhere in his holiday video, but the clip he duplicated did not have the Nessie image superimposed onto it, whereas the drone sequence did. It's utter nonsense. A schoolboy mistake in the world of hoaxing. Never show the investigators your before and after workings, unquote. Um, so, yeah, slam dunk. And uh, very easily destroyed as a hoax it was pretty quick now if this was one that had lasted uh any longer maybe it might have gone up higher in the top 10 but again we see it every year and we should always be at the ready you know it's going to happen pretty much every year someone's going to hoax 
uh, a Loch Ness monster sighting because everybody pays attention to the Loch Ness monster, whether we like it or not. It's there. So why is it in the top 10? Of course, the Loch Ness monster, of course, gets more headlines around the world than any other cryptid uh, other than Bigfoot. Uh, but I'd say some years it gets more than Bigfoot. And despite a lackluster year of sightings, the story was by far the biggest for Nessie. So why is it only number 10? Uh, despite the interesting backstory and the, quote, I didn't see it when it happened, unquote, angle, uh, the story was quickly torn apart by Internet sleuths. A lot of people tore it apart even the second it hit the Internet. Uh, so, of course, had it last longer or became a larger story, it uh, might have been the biggest hoax of the year. But was it? I don't know. Let's look at number nine real quick. Uh, number nine was Pilots Report UFO UAP Missile Over New Mexico. Uh, a member of the flight crew of the American Airlines Flight 2292 radioed to Albuquerque Center. They had encountered something strange. And this encounter happened uh, February 21st at 119 Central Standard Time over the northeast corner of New Mexico. Uh, the transmission was, uh, quote, do you have any targets up here? We just had something go right over the top of us. I hate to say this, but it looked like a long cylindrical object that almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast right over the top of us, unquote. And that was it. The rest of the uh, flight apparently was uneventful. The plane landed in Phoenix, and uh, that was it. And the uh, Steve Douglas published the 14-second audio on his Deep Blue Horizon web blog. Uh, so nobody really came forward with anything else. Uh, it was acknowledged that it happened. And there was a lot of kind of speculation in the analysis of when all this stuff was seen and when the responses were. Um, and like I said, it came out as uh, the FAA said, uh, yeah, a pilot did report seeing an object over New Mexico. But uh, controllers did not see an object on their radio scopes. So we don't know. This one just kind of went down as a big question. So why did it make the top 10? Well, private pilots. I mean, one of the biggest private pilot sightings of a purported UFO in recent memory and was splashed on every newspaper around the world. Uh, so that was a big deal, big story. And, you know, it's different than the military people who see things because that gets filtered. You know, they have to report to so-and-so and it gets filtered down. Uh, these reports, obviously they report to the FAA, uh, but sometimes that information is pretty easy to get a hold of. Uh, why it's only number nine, this report may have been big news, but since it never had any follow-up, it quickly disappeared as quickly as it had appeared, uh, just like the strange cylindrical object. And i got a couple minutes here, but I'm going to squeeze in number eight. Uh, it's a story. It shouldn't be a shocker that it made the top ten. Uh, Patterson-Gimlin film number eight and in july it was a hoax but in december which we just talked about uh it might be real so yes the october 22nd 1967 53 second long encounter of patty near bluff creek california uh filmed by roger patterson observed by bob gimlin uh this this uh video is have been the center of controversy the center of belief since then 
And whether you um, believe in all the stuff that's uh, surrounding it, people claim that they were the person in the costume and the video is fake and all this and that. Granted, they didn't have the technology to fake it. Uh, it's either a costume or it's a Bigfoot. That's pretty much your only two options. And uh, in, uh, let's see, there was a, I'm trying to remember the date when this happened, but uh, Richter Riolo, cast member of Spike TV's $10 million Bigfoot bounty, uh, came out and said that uh, basically he's got Bob Gimlin on video uh, pretty much confessing that it's fake. And he's not going to release this video until Bob and his wife has passed away. Uh, of course, uh, Bob Gimlin refutes this and says that this isn't true. So I don't know. I, I got a sad feeling that when, uh, when sadly, Bob Gimlin and his wife do pass away, that it's going to come out anyway. And it's going to destroy, destroy uh, his legacy. You know, his all these years of saying it did happen, it did happen. It's not fake that I know, and it doesn't matter because this is embedded in culture. You're not going to make it go away, but you're also not going to prove it unless we do find a Bigfoot, and that's what happened uh, later in the year with uh, the proof is out there which uh, just happened here in uh, December, earlier December, where uh, they showed the video. They were able to redo it, uh, remanufacture it with new technology, uh, with artificial intelligence, taking all the known copies of the film, kind of putting them together, and uh, just creating the, the best frames of the frames, uh, stabilizing it, and uh, giving us the clearest view ever. And I, I thought I'd seen it, and 4K look really clear, look really good. But I tell you, when you watch this, this episode, my goodness, it, you just things just jump out that you've never seen before. It's just amazing. And of course, I grew up with the jittery, moving all over the screen, uh, original film. You know, and it's only recently have we seen stabilized. And you know, of course, if you're younger, that's really you probably remember that more now because it's been a shorter period of time. Um, but the uh, the episode itself. Uh, really kind of said, hey, this might be real. And, you know, again, it doesn't matter how you feel about it, whether you think it's real, whether you think it's fake, who you believe or who you don't believe. There's no way to prove it. There's no way to disprove it at this this uh, point. And uh, we don't know. We don't know. So why is it in the top 10? Well, the Patterson-Gimlin film is the most iconic piece of cryptid folklore ever. It's formed the mold for every other fabricated video for Bigfoot. I mean, every time you watch, you, you just go on YouTube, type in Bigfoot sighting. They're all the same. They're all very similar, I should say. Um, the fact that it's heavily debated proves just how iconic it really is. No one can explain it away or say that it's real. It's, uh, it's not going anywhere. Uh, why it's only number eight. While both ends of the spectrum were on display this year, neither story seemed to gain a lot of attention. And the good news is the video will live on as the most debated piece of folklore in history. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you just think about it. It's my, you know, my thought that it, you look at anywhere in the paranormal, there's a lot of cool UFO videos, cool photographs of ghosts and, and a lot of other purported creatures most of which have come out as fake 
you know, we know so-and-so created a, um, a mold for uh, certain Bigfoot videos. We know that it's some of them were photoshopped. We know, or in some we speculate, but this, this is a, it's all or nothing. You know, either this was a person in a very elaborate costume or it was Bigfoot. And uh, th- that's it. Uh, so we'll do one more story. Why not? Why not? Number seven on the list. And don't worry. If you got to go, you got to go. We'll recap all this next week. Number seven, 2021 was the year of the serval. Now, servals have escaped uh, pretty much every year. Not something I've really covered uh, because it, it's just one random one here and there. And, you know, they usually find them pretty quick. But uh, it seemed like this was happening all the time and really stirred up some debate about owning exotic animals and as well as the laws that go with owning those. Uh, on Wednesday, June 30th, Christine Frank woke up to find a large serval hovering just six inches from her face. Uh, problem is it wasn't her cat. She didn't know what it was. She woke up and there's this giant cat standing there staring at her. I don't know. I'd be a little freaked out too, uh, especially since I'm used to my dog being on my bed. Uh, the cat had entered the house through an open door. Uh, Christine was, uh, she managed to scare it off her bed and said it uh, actually cowered in the corner. After getting out of the room, her husband was able to open another door, allowing the cat to go back outside. Uh, the cat hung around and was uh, in a nearby golf course where it eventually disappeared. Uh, and I say large soval, but about two feet tall, uh, but it's a wild cat. And it was obvious to the woman it was not an ordinary house cat. Um, and Serval has uh, the same size and diet as a fox. So they're pretty much like a giant fox, big ears. Uh, they've been kept uh, for pets for thousands of years, stretching back to ancient Egypt. So it's not new that we have these, but they're, uh, they're still wild animals. Authorities searched for the Serval, which was named Nala, finally captured it and uh, hope to relocate the animal to an accredited sanctuary. Uh, Anna Fife, who was the owner of the long-necked, long-eared serval, says that she had had the cat while living in South Carolina, where it's legal to own the cat. She's currently living in Georgia, attending college at the University of Georgia, where the cat had escaped. And uh, Nala typically stays at her parents' house in South Carolina, but she brought it to Georgia to stay with her for emotional support. After a relationship ended. So I guess you'll break up with somebody. You go buy a giant uh, exotic pet. That'll make you feel better. Uh, of course, this created a little bit of controversy. She wants her cat back and she can't live without it. And, uh, you know, it doesn't harm anybody because it's mine kind of situation. And, of course, the uh, other people and the other side, uh, the Animal Defense League fired back and said, wild cats are not meant to be pets. So people were... Um, kind of going back and forth on this and, and Fife said the cat was declawed, slept in her bed and, you know, argued the legality. She's, uh, illegal in Georgia, but her home is in South Carolina. So why should she be taken away? Um, so that one just kind of, uh, set it off. And of course we had, uh, in December, oh, that's a different story. That's, uh, so we've had some really dangerous sightings of these, uh, people injured, people, attacked by servals over the years. So, yeah, they're not very friendly all the time. They can be, 
for a while, but they're again, they're wild animals. Uh, September, we had uh, San Diego, California area, another sorbel scaring residents and uh, as well as eating chickens. And uh, this uh, it escaped back on August 7th and uh, eluded people for about a month. And it uh, was finally captured, but uh, returned to the owner. And there was another one here in September, uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Was the servals escaped from 256 Exotics, a pet store in Huntsville. And yeah, you, you know, these are escape experts. Uh, they will escape any kind of enclosure if given the opportunity. Uh, even Carol Baskin of uh, Tiger King weighed in on this uh, escape of these animals. Um, Asking the uh, USDA to cite the facility and seize the exotic cats, send them to a legitimate sanctuary. Do not buy, breed, or sell or allow public contact with wild animals. These animals don't, uh, you know, it's not that they belong in cages. It's just that it's not legal to release them because they're not native to the U.S. Uh, they're native to Africa. And so that controversy continued. And then in mid-October, um, we had the cousins to uh, servals. Caracals were uh, pretty close. They have a little bit higher tuft in their ears. And the, uh, uh, what was it? Bam Bam Pebbles, Wasabi, and Fire. So to, at least two of the medium-sized cats escaped their elaborate enclosure, tiptoed through the neighborhood. Uh, they closed schools. And they made it sound as if a 500-pound tiger was on the loose. Um, they issued citations to the woman. They made her uh, take it out of the neighborhood. Um, Carol cows are quick runners, long legs. Uh, they're also known to be able to leap at least 12 feet in the air like a serval. And they're uh, highly, highly escaped, uh, I should say, uh, escape artists. And, you know, we say, well, you know, what's the what's the worst that can happen? Well, uh, a seven-year-old boy in 2001 was attacked by a serval, uh, the declawed cat. So it was declawed, knocked the kid to the ground, bit him on the neck before being chased off by bystanders. Uh, the boy was in the hospital for weeks, several stitches. Um, had to get a lot of shots to avoid infections and things, so it's not a pleasurable thing. Uh, June of 2000, a man was walking a serval in New York when it suddenly attacked a four-year-old boy. The boy needed plastic surgery after a bite to the neck and face. Um, and the owner of the cat also received a number of stitches to the hand. October of 2019, a servo was shot and killed after attacking a dog and nearly attacking a sheriff's deputy in Fairfield County, Ohio. Uh, a servo attacked a child during a birthday party at a zoo in Indiana in 2018. This You can go watch that video if you want. Um, attacked a child and was hanging on to the kid um so these are, are these are animals that can, you know they're they're like cats and cats sometimes act kind of strange um you know cats are cute and all that but they can attack and these are wild animals uh, they've not been able to be d domesticated after thousands of years uh so we're not going to just change it because you know we we want to hug it and let it live in our bed uh, they can bite they can tear uh, they can kill small animals. They can they can injure children pretty bad. So uh, there is that threat. You know, just think of uh, you know cats. Cats scratch their owners all the time. But just imagine a cat 
It's four times as big as a regular cat living in your house. So it's a pretty scary thing. Uh, so why is it number 10? These escaped uh, exotic pets have been popping up for years, but this year these stories were front and center in the media and social media and stirred up a lot of debate on a variety of topics uh, surrounding exotic animal ownership, which we haven't had uh, too much lately, except for these alligators, of course. Uh, so why is it number seven? Several stories were outnumbered by alligator discovered in places where they don't belong as well. And uh, probably the, the most viral stories dealing with escaped animals this year, whereas alligators uh, historically have been those uh, big stories. So with that, we've wrapped up 1098 and number seven. So next week, we'll see how far we get. Uh, hopefully we can get through the rest of the top 10. We'll talk about, uh, though we'll kind of rehash that top 10 and we'll, we'll plow through the rest of them next week so we can start the year fresh i think that's probably the best thing to do uh so merry christmas to everybody out there i'll see you next week but for now keep your eyes in the skies keep a watch out for santa don't forget to leave cookies out and always keep your mind slightly ajar above all else don't stop believing for the paranormal news insider this is dr brian d parsons reporting